0: Today's scripture is from Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. The word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. The word of God for the people of God.
1: Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Mr. Jim. <clears throat> Good morning, friends. So I wanted to start with a question this morning, maybe a little Reflection exercise, if you would, try to imagine your life ten years ago. So where were you working? Were you still in school? Were you married? Did you have kids? Did your kids live at home? Imagine your values. How have your beliefs changed? Or your politics changed? Or your theology changed? Maybe a relationship in your life that has changed. So ten years ago, I was wrapping up a nine-year stint at Calera First United Methodist Church as the youth pastor. And in youth pastor years, nine years is like a whole career. Like, that's a lifetime. Like, nine years is long enough to see kids from pretty much the day they were baptized until the day they graduate high school. And and it's long enough to see kids who started off senior highs when I got there to get married and maybe even have kids, you know, and to really build deep relationships with families and and the community. Um, Ten years ago, I didn't even know some of the people that I would say are the most influential in my life today. Some of my best friends I had never even heard of. 10 years ago. Prior to 10 years ago, like I said, I had been in one church for nine years. Since then, in the last 10 years, I've been in five different churches. Part of that is because I joined the itineracy, and let me just say, zero out of 10, I do not recommend. Although, it has ended up pretty well for me, I'll agree with that. It's, uh, it's difficult and it's hard on families to be sure. I've gone through A tremendous amount of change in the last ten years and I would have never even imagined it ten years ago when I was living in Montevallo working at Calera here's the thing we know that our lives are going to change and we also know statistically that change over the course of our life slows down as we get older, right? So you look at your children or your grandkids and you see them changing like by the day, right? Especially if they're grandkids and you don't see them every day. It seems like every time you do see them, they're a foot taller, right? You know what I mean? But then if you're one of those kids and you're looking at your grandparents, you think, well, they hardly change at all, right? And so it's true that the trajectory of that that change curve kind of goes down over time, but we change more at every age along that curve than we think we will. I'm pulling this research from Dan Gilbert. He's one of the psych professors at Harvard, and I'll share a uh, TED Talk link that I I watched, I don't know, several years ago, and used for this sermon just a little bit. One of the things that he found in their studies was that uh, 18-year-olds think they're going to change, As much as 50 year olds actually change. So at every age, we underestimate how much we think we're going to change. And so the question is, what is that, what is that magic age where we, you know, go from changing really fast to really slowing down? And his answer is, however old you are now. We think that we're done growing now. We think that God is done changing us now. One of the things that he said was that human beings uh, are works in progress that mistakenly believe we're finished. And so we underestimate at every age in our life just how much change we will undergo in the next 10 years. So we've been talking For the last few weeks about how we think about what we think about right and two weeks ago I said how we think about our past affects the trajectory of our future yeah that's up there and then last week I said what we think about in the present affects our behavior in the present the context of our surroundings often affects how we behave and what I want to say today is how you think about your future affects everything in your life. And the reason is because who you think you're going to be, the the reason that you believe God has put you on this earth, the dreams, the goals that you have in life, will affect the decisions that you make in your day-to-day life. The relationships that you build, the risks that you take, the moments that you have, by and large, consciously or subconsciously, are dependent on what you think about your future. So if you feel like, you know what, God has called me to write a book. Well, then what you need to do is spend 30 minutes a day sitting in front of a keyboard. And if the muse doesn't come, you go and you sit there anyway, right? Because you put the work in. If one of your big whys, one of your big reasons for, for getting up every morning is that you want to be healthy enough to take care of your grandkids later on, then you need to eat right. You need to exercise. You need to work out, right? You need to do those things. And often we do those things without thinking about them. They're just subconscious. I would argue still, though, that those are based in who we think we are going to be. One of the problems is we have forgotten how to dream big. One of the storylines that I've been sharing with y'all the last few weeks is the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis. Not Mary's Joseph, but the other Joseph in the Bible. And we talked a little bit about how that line he gives to his his brothers when they were terrified that he was going to, you know, Punish them for their behavior as he said what you intended for harm God intended for good as a way of processing his past in a way that was helpful and healthy and I would argue repentant for himself we talked about that moment when his brothers came back and how when you're in the present moment you only get one shot at it right you only get one shot at the present moment and how he managed to I would say offer grace and acceptance and love let me back all the way up to the beginning of this story this is a story that starts with the 11th out of 12 sons who happened to be daddy's favorite telling his brothers that he was having dreams that he was going to rule over them one day i think i said this in traditional but i don't think i said it here one of my hot takes about joseph is that um He kind of had it coming I've got brothers and I know how they would react if I told them some of the things that he told his brothers and I'm the oldest I could only imagine being you know number 11 in line of 12 right anyway we'll we'll preach that a different day (laughs) needless to say Joseph did not have trouble dreaming big dreams certainly there's no way he could have imagined how he could have gotten there from from being, you know, 11 out of 12, a shepherd, you know, a nobody from Canaan, to being number two in charge in Egypt, especially when the trajectory took him from, instead of going from here to here, it took him from here, like way down here first, right? It went the wrong way fast before it went the right way. Our scripture today in I love the Advent scriptures because they lean so heavenly on the prophets. The scripture today is from Isaiah chapter 2, but it's also repeated in Micah. Incidentally, it's repeated one more place in the Old Testament, either Zechariah or Zephaniah in a little bit more sarcastic kind of way. But twice the prophets repeat this line, that there's going to be a day when people beat their weapons of war into farm implements. When people trade in their budgets for war into research into agriculture and programs to feed the poor, there will be a day, one day, when academies that teach violence and war will not be needed anymore. And I guess my question is, do any of us believe that that's true? The prophets, I used to think that a prophet was someone who just told the future, and then I read the prophets. And, and that comes across that way, but that's not their primary function. Their primary function is just to see clearly. It's to see the world around them clearly. And when you do, when your vision goes from here to here, suddenly, I think, it becomes easier to predict what may happen and this is not an abnormal thing in our lives we watch political pundits on the news at night who predict what's going to happen we have we have exit polls and things like that to predict things I play fantasy football I don't know if any of y'all do but every week I look at my little ESPN app and what does it do it predicts how much different players how many points they're gonna make and that's because there's somebody who is researching this way way better than me My understanding of the NFL is about here. ESPN pays people whose understandings about the NFL is right here. They're the ones who make those predictions. I'm not downplaying God's role and the Holy Spirit's role in the work of the prophets, but I'm only saying the prophets had a dream that came from a bigger God-sized vision of the reality around them. And I wonder if we have forgotten how to dream as big. Last week, I introduced you to a couple of Greek words, and I want to go over them again real quick. So, this is the word uh, noia, which means mind, understanding. It's how you think, right? It's throughout the, the New Testament. And then we introduce this word, katanoia, which is, which is a word that Jesus uses to introduce a lot of sermons. He starts off a lot of sermons with katanoia, and it means consider. It means focus. It means stop and take a look at this. And he says it about the ravens. He says it about the flowers. He says it about the birds of the air. He says it about the fig tree, right? It's, it's we're going down the road. Stop Let's reflect on nature and all the creation that God has given us and see what we can learn from it. There's another word, though, that has that little word noia in it. It's metanoia. Meta, y'all are probably familiar with. It means bigger, right? It means all-encompassing. It means like the overarching. It means whole. So think of words like metamorphosis, right? Morph means to change. Metamorphosis means a Wholesale change, right? An absolute transformation. Incidentally, that's the word that Paul uses when he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, noia. So, meta means bigger. You've heard the word meta-narrative, right? It's the the overarching narrative that kind of encompasses all of the subplots. And so, meta-noia means bigger mind. It means grow. It means learn. It means take your understanding from here to here. And that, friends, is what I've been asking you to do with your homework for the last two weeks. If you've done your homework, you've been reflecting on your life, on your past, on the ways that you process those moments and people and places in your past, and whether or not that's done in a helpful way or a hurtful way. Anyone know what metanoia is translated to in the New Testament? I think every single time. It's repent. This is the word for repent. This, I would argue, is Jesus' favorite sermon opener. Repent for the kingdom is at hand. The kingdom is within grasp. The promises of the prophets, the beating swords into plowshares, that is right at the tips of your fingers jesus said this more than he said anything i think the problem is we think repentance means being sorry and certainly if you did your homework the past two weeks you reflected on moments that you were sorry for there's no question in my mind decisions that you wish you could take back and do over right things that you said things that you did that you wish hadn't happened and you hope never happen again but that does not encompass what repentance is the repentance is the growth that happens because you felt sorry repentance can happen also when you forgive someone so when someone else did something that they should be sorry for and you forgive them and you move on and you grow that's also repentance when you reflect on your childhood when you when you have one of those moments where something comes out of your mouth that really wasn't yours, but was your mom's or your dad's. Anyone ever done that before? And then you sit down and you reflect, what is it that is buried deep down somewhere in my being that that came out? And you reflect on your childhood. And you realize, you know what? I lived a pretty charmed life as a child. Or, I had a pretty traumatic childhood. Or, I have a broken relationship with my father or mother that I've never even really thought about. That, friends, is also repentance. That is metanoia. When we do the work that we have been doing the past week and two weeks, these are ways that help our minds grow. This is what Paul was talking about. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is what Jesus talks about all throughout the Gospels. This is the word for repent. This, I believe, when we learn to think about our past, present, our future, when we think about our lives, the moments that make up our lives, the decisions, the habits, all of those things, and we reflect on them and we grow until we grow to a place where we indeed love God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind, and we love our neighbors as ourselves. I suppose at that point, if you've hit that mark, then you can say you've stopped growing. Until then, I would argue, most of us in this room still have work of repentance to do. So, I have more homework for you. (laughs) This week, the graph extends a little bit further. It's in your bulletin, and you can look at it there as well. This week, what I want you to do is dream. And what a perfect week to do that, right? We're leading up to Christmas. Between now and next Sunday, if you have time, if you don't make time, sit down with your, your spouse, your kids, your family, or by yourself on a rock in the woods is really good. I managed to go for a hike this week, and it's always an important time in my life when I get to spend a few hours in the woods by myself. Sit down and think about How much you've changed the last 10 years of your life, maybe 20 years, and what kinds of changes that you hope for or dream for in the next. Because if if God put you on this planet to write that book and you haven't done it yet, now's the time to decide to do it and to implement the habits and practices and behaviors that will get you there. If it's to graduate high school, if it's to learn an instrument, If it's to stay healthy enough to love your grandkids, whatever that is, now's the time when you set for yourself behaviors and habits that grow your mind a little bit, that grow your awareness, if I want to say it that way, your capacity to do the things that God has put you on this earth to do. Let's pray. Gracious God, it is so much harder to imagine than it is to remember. And so I ask that you help us. That as we spend time this week dreaming and imagining the things that you have given to us, based on our specific relationships and education and experiences and who we are, the gifts that you have given us, that we would use those for your glory to make a dent in this world. That we might really believe when we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, that you can do it. And that you can use us to do it. Gracious God, I just want to say thank you for this church, the impact that they have made on all of us sitting in this room, and, and the impact that they have made on this community. As blessings on this church and all those who enter it and all those who are sitting in here today that we might be people who go out and serve as the hands and feet of the promises of the prophets. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.